0: I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do isn't very nice.
1: Like you. Oh, no. Very
0: much like you. you. Read these in your spare time. Oh yeah, Charles, we got ourselves an X-Men fan. You do know they're all bullshit, right? I mean, maybe a quarter of it happened, and not like this in the real world people die and no self-promoting asshole in a fucking leotard Logan, can yeah. stop it. this is ice cream for bedwetters
1: your nurse has been feeding you some great aid i don't think lauren needs reminding of life's impermanence no you have to keep going someone come on Someone else come along. Hello and welcome to Max and Jason Watch a Movie. I'm Max and I've got the introduction duties all to myself this week. Last week we started our discussion of Logan, starring Hugh Jackman as Logan, Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier, and Daphne Keane as Laura slash X23. Now, before we get into the discussion itself, I have a little bit of house cleaning I need to do. I got the biological origins of Laura wrong. I thought she was a clone in the comic book of Sabretooth and Logan. That was wrong. It turns out that she's just the biological daughter of Wolverine. He had his genetic material sampled when he was in the Weapon X program and it was paired with an unwilling surrogate later in a different iteration of the Weapon X program, I think, and that's how they created Laura X23. Now, with that said, we can begin the discussion of the show. When we left our heroes, they were checking into a casino hotel somewhere in Oklahoma, which is a which is a dark turn of events, no matter what store we're looking at, but uh, it just gets worse from there. And without further ado, I give you part two of Max and Jason Watch, Logan. Right, up, right. They end up going to Las Vegas uh, and staying at some cheap, uh, not cheap, necessarily but but like a hotel it's in a casino so it's a little cheaper and it's something that i can easily afford and one of the things i liked about this is it continues as they're driving we're getting little news clips about the world we we learn that climate change is really bad and that there's been some actually some extinctions we're learning a little bit more about this terrible time that they live in anyway we're learning some stuff here logan gets a new car right he gets he gets a a beat up uh truck uh he discovers a tracking device in their gear Do you remember that yeah and that's how they that's how they must have found Gabrielle and he's like oh shit and he rushes back after he gets his new truck uh not brand new truck new to him truck because oh my god they've got to, they've got to know where they're at and here's another really harrowing scene when he gets to the hotel just as he's getting out of the truck there is another Xavier seizure that happens everyone in the casino they were already miserable before. Because they were in Las Vegas and in the casino. But now they are all experiencing this trauma that Xavier's brain is imposing on all of them. And Logan, this scene isn't short either. The drama and tension of Logan getting to their room is rough to watch.
0: Now, so there's something almost philosophically or empirically interesting about the scene. Mm-hmm. As we already established during these seizures, Logan, his healing factor allows him to make movements that other people can't yeah. do during these seizures. So he, he he goes to the elevator and, and he punches the, the room number. And for about 0.5 seconds, I thought, well, "Why is the elevator working?" And then suddenly it occurred to me, which it should have it should have before 0.5 seconds. Mm-hmm. The material universe knows nothing of this. This is yeah. all, that, and we, the viewer, we are experiencing it too. Yeah, I I really thought that that was neat. We actually, even though we're not experiencing the seizure as the viewer, we're kind of invited into the same human experience of all these other people. Yeah, even though the elevator still works, every else still works the cars still work everything the weapons will still work everything still works all this is happening in the minds of people oh yeah yeah yeah. that's only what's affected but on the screen it doesn't feel that way and i just thought that was really interesting
1: absolutely absolutely the other thing too that unlike in the in x-men i want to say two when professor x froze the mall for a moment. Nobody's experiencing any pain. They're not experiencing anything. He's got everybody locked up and shut down. For all intents and purposes, their conscious experience isn't advancing. Yeah. Here, it's not the same. Everyone seems to be aware of what's happening because as Logan starts... It starts to get worse for Logan, he's actually having trouble as he gets closer to Professor X. He has to start, like, using his claws to scrape his way forward. Yeah. What he finds is that all of those bad guys are in the room. And they're, they're totally conscious, but they just can't move. They can't move. And as he's approaching them, and this scene actually... This scene, actually, I find more troubling to watch than the film than the moments where he's killing people as they attack him. These people have no chance. And he, as he makes his way up, the, the guy actually is able to look at him. And Logan, as calmly as you can when your brain is being turned into mush, jams his claws through the man's brain. He kills him instantly. Um, it's almost the most violently offensive scene that
0: you could ever watch. Now, to me, it did not feel that way. But when you describe it the way you just Did and the way that I'm thinking about it right now, it's um, it's actually kind of shocking.
1: I mean, it's incredibly shocking. And I don't get me wrong, audience. I don't care about any of these people. These people are all awful, and we'll see that later. Uh, Logan will learn that later, and we'll learn along with him. And we already get the sense that these people are awful. But one of the things that just sort of strikes me is how it's just how cold and brutal Logan can be in this moment, you know. And it makes sense to me. I mean, he's got to get this medicine to Charles, and when he gets it to Charles, it's going to stop the seizure, and he's going have to deal with these people who were probably going to kill Charles anyway. You know, in that moment, when we see when when Logan looks into the hallway after he kills that guy, there are two guys aiming guns at Charles's head. I mean, they're gonna kill him. And Logan just walks through the room, of course, struggling all the way, killing these people as he goes. Laura is doing the same thing, and they're both trying to get the medicine to Charles to stop the seizure. Right. It's wonderful filming. It's and Daphne Keene's bellows of rage, anytime she's wolverining out. It occurs to me now as I edit that I could have just used the phrase going berserk or goes berserk or... When She Goes Berserk, something like that, are as convincing as anything that Hugh Jackman does in this movie. I mean, I never don't buy her as a killer.
0: Well, well, well we've already talked about that a little bit because yeah. of the scenes before that should have been shocking or awkward and they weren't. We really haven't talked about the cast yet, and I know we will, Yeah, uh, but but she's easy to overlook in this. Like, this is not an easy role for a kid.
1: Ails it Now, as, as as convinced as we were, uh, audience, a little filmmaking trivia note, James Man. Gold and the film crew weren't always as convinced. They had to film her action sequences in bursts because after a while she would start revealing how much fun she was having by the grin on her face. And I told this to my to, to our co-host Anya, our sometimes co-host Anya, and she said might have been even scarier to leave in. <laughs> but but sometimes I guess it would be clear that Daphne Keene was just having too much of a blast, and they had to kind of, okay, this is serious, Daphne, get back to it. <laughs> Yeah. but but and that's just a I mean I'm sure that Hugh Jackman had that moment occasionally too but um she's amazing in this scene I think she tosses the medicine to Logan and they, they they do it but before they give the medicine to to professor X and stop the seizure they've killed everyone in the room yeah you know or put them on on death's door because when professor uh, Xavier's seizure stops they all fall over and some of them are still like ugh, ugh. and I think I think I think Laura or Wolverine kill them you know on the way out. And then they rush out and there's devastation in the Las Vegas hotel. You know, people are like laying on the ground. Some people are still having adverse Reactions. And so, but as they're driving away, we get our second major hint about what happened to the former X Men because we're listening to Nevada NPR, I think, and their uh, a newscasters like there was a, a strange event today at a Las Vegas uh, Hotel, very reminiscent of uh, an event that took place in Westchester, which left several of the group known as and Logan turns off the radio. And eagle eyed, eagle eared viewers will know that what that newscaster was about to say was that left several of the x-men dead right yeah i I mean that's what we that's what we get out of this moment professor x as killed the X Men. Yeah. Every time I see the movie, that hits me like a ton of bricks.
0: Yeah. Well, so at, in that moment, what we see is that despite all the loss that Logan felt from that, he has taken upon his shoulders. He does not blame the professor, but he has taken upon his shoulders to protect him. Yeah. Um, and, and there's and there's something very sweet about that. There's something very heroic about that. Yeah. Selfless about that. Something very loving about that. That, that, that because Logan has every reason to become Kind of pissed off about
1: that. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember who says it, but one of the bad guys says, I, I think it might even be Price, uh, not Price, but uh, Dr. Doctor Rice, um, who says to Caliban later on in the film, look, you have to help us catch Professor Xavier. This is the most powerful brain in the world, the most dangerous brain in the world, and it's failing. And, the, and, uh, you know, and so I think that anybody who knew Xavier understands that this is not some malicious act. This was an accident, but it's a dangerous accident for somebody like this sad one of the things at this moment in the film kind of helps me to realize logan's plan is to hop on this boat this sunspot, go out into the middle of the ocean and just hang out with professor x until he dies yeah. and if professor x has the great seizure that kills logan well that's no big loss to logan either yeah the the plan is to sort of have a nice time on the boat until they both die that's right. that's that, that's the that's logan's plan Sidebar. Audience, this was the other error that I made in last week's podcast. I thought that this was a subtle reference to a character named Sunspot, the naming of this boat. But in fact, the boat is called the Sunseeker, so it isn't a little bit of fan service. I was totally wrong. Hopefully, Lord Movies will take mercy on me. Will have mercy on me. I'm sure that my co-host, Jason, will not. So into the sidebar. Now... The other thing that's kind of interesting that happens here is that we see that Laura understands what Professor X did too. And Professor X is asleep. He, we don't know if he realizes what he's done yet. Right. But anyway, they drive, they drive on, they drive on. And then they, they what we, we, we see here, we see more of this weird dystopia. Uh, not necessarily dystopia, but we have these automatic trailer tractor-trailer trucks, semis. There are no drivers anymore. They run Logan and his people off the road. And they also run a farm family off the road with some horses, right? Yeah. Well,
0: what you just described clearly puts this in the near future. Oh, yeah. It's a very realistic future, and here, you know, I want to kind of talk about film like Blade Runner, which yeah. has a lot of very realistic-looking visuals about this kind of future dystopian society, but it's one that it's almost hard for us to imagine existing because it's very different from our own. Yeah, This film, more than almost any movie that I can think of, does an, an incredible job, and, and I'm not talking about socially, just technological Technologically. Yeah. That, that technologically you can imagine that this is exactly how the world could look 10 years
1: from now. Oh, I, I, that's one of the reasons why the film scares me, actually.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Minus the mutants and the all that stuff, I I, I see an all too plausible future in this movie. Yeah. Apathy and consumerism and haves and have-nots and automation and, and fewer and fewer opportunities for folks because everything's automated. Which we're going to learn that that's one of the reasons why this small farmer has some trouble too, because his no. farm's not automated, but there are other farms that are just all automated and and he hasn't sold his plot. But anyway, so this guy gets run off the road. This other farm, this farmer and his family get run off the road and his horses get free. Logan, true to form, sees all these horses about to get clobbered by these automated trucks that do not slow down for shit. And we're going to learn that that might be intentional to sort of intimidate this farmer. But Professor X says, we should probably help this guy. And Logan says, and we kind of see a little difference in their philosophy is a little bit. Logan says, ah, oh, someone will come along. And Professor X says, someone has come along.
0: Yeah, I love that line.
1: <laughs> it's a great line. And and that sort of reminds Logan of who he is. And he gets out and he starts to help. And then we see Professor X flex a little bit. And he, he communicates with the horses to kind of calm them down and help, help Logan out. And this is after he's been given his medicine. So we're we're learning too that the medicine isn't isn't working like it used to. Right. But there's a little moment too where Logan turns back because the horses are not acting like normal horses and and he's like his look is like did you do that? And and Professor X kind of gives a shrug like maybe. <laughs> Right. And, and it's a nice moment. Uh, it was a nice moment for Laura to see. And uh, there was, they helped, they help this nice farm family out and uh, they get their horses corralled. And then uh, of course the farmers make their great unwitting mistake and say, well, gosh, you've done a lot of nice things for us. Why don't you get us? Why don't you help us out for dinner? Why don't you come over for dinner? We'll make you something.
0: And, and, and Logan has the correct instinct. No, thanks. And the professor jumps in and he cannot wait to accept uh, their hospitality.
1: Yes. Yes. Now, now, Professor X makes some decent rationalizations for that. And, and in great Patrick Stewart fashion, he's like two days on the road, only one meal and hardly any sleep. She's I'm 9, fucking 90. Patrick Stewart is so brilliant in this film. And in fact, let me back up to the to the general trauma of Las Vegas for a moment. Well, oh, sorry, in the hotel room while Logan is out doing things. I I I we skipped over this, and I don't think that we can. Patrick, I'm sorry, Professor X and Laura are watching a movie. This movie is very important to James Mangold and his idea of the Wolverine mythology. The movie is Shane. Jason, do you have any production notes on Shane? I don't. Shane is a... I don't have a lot of production notes on Shane either. I read the book uh, after watching this movie, actually. I've never seen the movie, but I did read the book, and it's quite a good book. But it's a Western, and it's about a guy who is very Logan-esque. He doesn't want to get involved in trouble, yeah. but he ends up helping some farmers. He ends up helping some people out. Against his better judgment, he gets involved in some trouble, right? And I won't right. say how that movie ends, Uh because it would maybe give away what what happens here if you haven't seen it, audience. Well, anyway, you'll, you'll we'll come to that in, at the end of the of our, of our podcast. But this scene was sort of ad libbed by Patrick Stewart. Really, but it's also sort of autobiographical when he talks about, oh, this is one of the first movies I saw when I was a kid. That's his story. This was. What he's saying is true, Patrick. Okay. It, it's he, he says I saw it at theater X, and it was actually the theater he saw this movie at when he was a kid. Um, okay. it's one of and it was and of course it's one of Professor X's favorite films. Laura likes it a lot too, okay. and she sees she probably sees a lot of like Wolverine's hidden tendencies there in it too. But it's an important moment, and 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 this film also appears in The Wolverine. I can't remember who's watching it, but it's playing on a TV in a hotel room in James. Mangold's The Wolverine, which is the film that precedes this.
0: So this is so this is probably James Mangold's favorite film that you're
1: talking about. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Has a great bad guy. Jack Pounce is the enforcer for the bad farmer in in Shane. Jack Pounce would have made a great Victor Creed, by the way. So that happens. I want to talk about that because I, I think that it will come up later. But and this brings us up to the next great ad lib scene in the film, which is the dinner scene at the farmhouse. Yeah. They, they, I guess, I guess they had shot this scene several times, and James Mangold wasn't happy with how it was playing out. And he said, you guys know these characters, just talk. And so the scene we get in the movie, is just these actors improvising their roles and talking about uh, whatever they're talking about. And so when the the son of this this wonderful couple of farmers says, Well, oh, I can quit school, I can just help you work on the farm all the time. And Professor X says, Well, why would you want to do that, son? You know, and Hugh Jackman says, oh well, you watch it, you're talking to the former head of a school here. And all of this was improvised by the actors. And from
0: the very beginning.
1: Oh no, like the, from from this scene, is what we get on the screen, I guess, is the improvised version. They had shot it a few times going through the lines but Mangold wasn't happy with that
0: so because the scene begins family says a prayer yeah. and uh, of course of course you know Logan's kind of like whatever <laughs> And you'll notice the professor does not share in the prayer, but he's smiling from ear to ear. Yes. You know, this isn't my thing. Oh, but this is great. I love love what we're doing. I'm united in what you're doing. I'm glad to be here. And so, which is very much in character for the professor in terms of how he's chosen to view these people. Because- it's almost like the professor is preparing for this experience that he wants very badly yeah he, he's been in the water tower for all these years uh now they've been on the run mm-hmm. and he, he kind of just wants a night of family and a nice bed yeah meal and, and he said that on the highway
1: yeah uh, oh, absolutely absolutely shortly after this after they have their meal logan's like well thanks for the meal we got to be going and the farmers are having none of it they're like no we've got a guest room you guys stay and professor x says oh well that's great we'll do that right and That's when he basically says, we're tired, we're strung out, Logan. You're not what you used to be. I'm not what I used to be. Laura's not yet what she will will be. Right. And then another almost i mean a tear-jerky moment is logan's like well okay let me get let me get dad settled they're calling each other father and son for this bit and he carries professor x up the stairs and i just think man how touching is this scene you know when he carries him up the stairs and i i just there's something so real about this movie that and there's there there are more than a handful of like these poignant moments that just like strike at anybody who is not a cyborg their heartstrings right you know it's just such a touching yeah. moment. And he, he helps Professor X get in bed. And there's they're still doing a little bit of bickering, but it's a lot softer. And and Xavier says, Enjoy this Logan. This is this is good. You need to you need to grab this. You want to finish that? Oh, that's all I got. You want to grab this. Yeah. I, think, I think that's I I, I actually have a,
0: a I think an interesting thought that that so uh, for listeners, a couple of years ago, I spent an entire year reading as many dystopian novels as I could get my hands on. I Nineteen eighty-four. You, you just go down the list. I, I I read them all. And one of the things about dystopian novels, it's very unnerving about them. And there's lots of movies that are this way as well. I'm um you know, they depict a future that is that is not hopeful. Um, it's a future that that is um, socially hopeless, where the human race has kind of backed itself into a corner that it cannot get out of, and th- there's no way to get out of it. And the protagonist of the book, whatever it is, um. um um, really is not able to get out of it. Um, the real famous one is 1984, in which um, the protagonist in, 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 in a crushing ending, where the protagonist—spoiler, folks—if you've not read 1984, hit pause and fast forward a, just a few moments, <laughs> where the the, the the protagonist and and both protagonists, the the guy and and the woman that he's in love with, they don't die; they just live on as as members of this futuristic fascist society. Yeah, we and and we just have to kind of accept that. Logan, And so I want to take this moment to say that even though this is a dystopian film, Logan is not that. I I actually would suggest to you, and not in a metaphysical way, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a statement that might be controversial to you, Logan is kind of a religious film. Not, Not metaphysically religious, but rather in kind of the category of religion, in that it's very hopeful, because the characters, Logan especially, is expected to believe something for which he finds reason not to believe. And he lives in a society that is absolutely devoid of hope. So I guess when I say that it's a religious film, I'm talking about in kind of a mythological sense, that that that, that this film, unlike most dystopian stories, you know, if you read Fahrenheit 451, you know, you know, all these books where the ending is really a downer in which society kind of just ends up in a little corner where we, the reader and the protagonist, have no way out. And Logan feels that way throughout most of this movie, Charles does not. Logan does. He feels that, uh, and we're, we'll get to this in a second. That uh, that the, the 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 kind of bare minimum hope that has been given, the mission that has been given to them of this this place where they're going, where you know if there's any mutants left that they can be safe. Yeah, and finds evidence that that it's all it's basically all bullshit. Let me
1: let me address what you've just said. That is, I think, absolutely right. The X Men story is often a story that that juggles prejudice and malice uh, societal malice right with the hopeful impulse of progress right yes and and this film while it's dark it also does embrace that we don't have to accept this dystopian world we live in where we're at with logan when we meet him he's at acceptance this is the way it is yes 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 yes. Charles Xavier is never that person. Right. He is he is Gandalf, he is Aragorn, ever do men wait for the dawn, ever ever do we look for hope in the dawn or something like that. I can't remember the exact line, but they don't give up. They think that, you know, there there is Martin Luther King. You know, we're going to keep striving until we make the improvements that's necessary, that are necessary. And Logan, when we see him, he's resigned himself, has his Caliban. But Professor X is, is a gem in the fact that he doesn't. And
0: just before you finish your thought, I want to go back to the, to the prayer scene at yeah. the table. Yeah. To me, the professor, I think the way Patrick Stewart plays that is very important because they say the prayer. It's a prayer that everybody knows, but he doesn't say it, but he smiles. And it's almost what I felt he was saying was, I love that you have that hope. That's not my hope. Yeah. I get what you're doing and I think it's great. Logan's not there, but the professor is.
1: Yes, yes. I think that I think that's absolutely right. The professor X doesn't shy from connection, from human well, you know, and, and hope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Hope when there's no re because you know his 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 friend Eric Magneto could not share that hope. But the professor and and, and he questioned, you know, why do you do this? Why, well, you know, why why do you have this hope? But the professor has always been a person of hope. So when he sees these simple farmers having this hope. That's not his hope, but when he sees it, he recognizes what they're doing. He likes them. He's able to share that moment, even though that's that's kind of not his. Well, hope.
1: But but it is part of the human project, which he of which Xavier yes. fully approves. Now it's in this it's in these scenes somewhere where where Logan discovers. Laura's comic books yep. and he discovers that Eden which is the place where they want, she wants to take him he doesn't discover this right away when he discovers her comic books but I think he actually discovers this when he's buying the truck actually so this is back to back up a little bit audience at the hotel room in Vegas he discovers the comic books and while he's buying the truck he takes them and reads them but this is this is sort of what underscores my point about like all the stories we've heard of the X-Men are sometimes close approximations of what has happened sometimes very fantastic Fantastical uh, versions of what happened. And he's like, he says to Laura, is like, you know, that's all bullshit, right? Kid, half of it didn't happen, and what did was nothing like what they say it was and Xavier actually gets offended that Logan would tell her these things but it's in that reading of those comic books he finds the latitude and longitude that are on the envelope that Gabriella gave him and he's like holy fucking shit do these people think that this exists now we do learn because he explains this to Charles uh, before the farmhouse he says look Charles there's no place in Dakota this is all bullshit this happened once something like this happened so we're getting some hints of their history it's really brilliant filmmaking and he's like but it's bullshit it didn't happen and he's like well we're going there because laura believes it's there now one has to i have to wonder if that's the right choice but what we might find later on is that that by believing it these people made it so yeah no I, right?
0: I, but, the, but the see isn't it see that's what i'm saying about it's a religious film in the sense of religion as a category of belief yeah and kind a of metaphysical and the use of the word eden i think is also very important because oh, yeah. within the bible story eden is not heaven you know, it's, it's, and, I, and I'm and i using air quotes, the place where humans belong. Well, here we're talking about mutants, yeah. but I'm, I'm talking about conscious. I'm talking about conscious faith or desire, however you want to see it that it's the place that is devoid of all the conflict that we're facing. Yeah. Now, most copian novels, they, they don't have an Eden. Yeah. Right? They don't have that. This film has that. And you're, you're quite right. That's very in keeping with Charles Xavier and his belief that there's, there's some kind of harmonious existence can occur and he's, Going and 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 you the connection to Martin Luther King Jr. is is very apt, and you know, and just you know, if we just keep going, if we just keep doing what we're doing, eventually that will fall into place. So what you're saying, I think, is that is that Laura has this belief, and even though she can she can't even talk at this point, yeah. He recognizes that and recognizes that. Well, even even if it's a fool's quest, even if it's like fool's gold, because maybe Charles is saying maybe I was a fool, but I'm glad I did it, and so therefore for you know if she's going to have any kind of redemption yeah. we we have to go through with
1: it yeah yeah, yeah. And what I want to say too, though, is that like the aspirational side of these beliefs about Eden in the film seemed, and we'll find this out later, audience. Some people have decided that okay, this is what was said in the comic book, and somehow by the pilgrimage to this place, I get, I get, I get the sense that they've created this infrastructure to help refugees out. Like it's sort of this like feedback loop. They they believed in it, and they people started going there, and, and they, the more people yeah. that started going there, they started to build. An infrastructure to help each other out and so it's it's this interesting thing of of making something that you want to be so so through effort and work and i i, I, th- I just thought that was kind of neat and so i think i'm totally on board with this idea of of the kind of religious experience
0: well, well let me change my terminology I, you know i said religion is a category maybe faith is a category not as a metaphysical
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like- I, I think, I think that that's fair i think i think i think people who are listening to us will maybe will understand sort of what we're trying to say here logan is isn't there yet. You know, he doesn't believe that it he, it's not until late in the film that he realizes that there might be something to it, you know. But back to the farmhouse audience
0: we're jumping ahead yeah
1: after after dinner and before charles gets taken up to bed they're having some issues with the power and this is where we learn that the farmer is sort of being defarmed by a bigger a bigger uh, farming concern they want his land they want him to move out they want him uh, to leave and so they sort of we learned that maybe the programming of the automatic semis is part of that um and then they also fuck with his water supply a bit and so he. He's, the farmer's got to go and deal with some stuff. I don't know if it's Professor X or if it's just Logan who volunteers to go help out. Do you need some help? Well, okay, I'll help you out. And Logan goes and, and helps the farmer get the water pump back on. Now they have to cross some fences. The people that seem to have illegally fenced off the water pump or whatever. They have some trouble at the, at the water pump. The the other farmers come and they try and intimidate the, uh, the, the farmer. Will Munson is his name. And I wonder if that's not a comic book character that I don't know about. Munson tries to, Tell him to back off. I've got. I've got a right to this water. And these guys, these assholes, run into a great problem that is always wonderful to see in film when bad guys run up. run up against a worse guy and they try and intimidate Wolverine and it goes about as well as you would expect. Yeah. And it even frightens Munson a bit. He doesn't he doesn't doesn't see it coming. Logan escalates the fight very quickly. I think he punches the guy, breaks his rifle and tells him to move on down the line. I find it and, and
0: actually it's one of the brilliant things about this movie the loyalty that is built between the two camps. Oh yeah. Is very touching. Yeah, you know, this family, they're very welcoming, they're very respectful. Of um, these new friends that they have, so Max and I before this podcast were talking about Greek mythology, and you know that the, they um, they show a great deal of hospitality.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Zeus you know, I mean, happy with their with yeah. this. With their uh, with their uh, fulfillment of Zinnia the yes. guest, the guest uh, duty to a guest now world with world enough in time these two camps as you called them would have become thoroughly entwined in friendship yeah yeah in a different world as Logan and and Will Munson are 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 headed back Professor X is. We, we don't get this right away, but Logan, it looks like Logan's returned to the farmhouse. And Professor X said says to Logan, ah, this was one of the best days I've had in my life, but I don't deserve it, do I, Logan? I remember what happened. And this is where Professor X remembers he killed the X-Men, yeah. right? Logan is approaching him, and Prof- uh, Patrick Stewart is amazing in this moment because he's this is an old man who's seen through the fog of his old age, right? And he's seeing something that he doesn't want to really remember. And, may, and who knows, maybe some of the medicine that that they were giving him they haven't been able to give him. And it was repressing some of that, you know, and maybe keeping some of the fog. One of the things I noticed on this viewing is how uneasy Laura is at this. She's changing her position in a way that looks like an animal about to move. I'm either gonna run or I'm gonna fight. That's her new body language as as Logan is entering the room. And I'm I'm, I'm foreshadowing a bit here, audience. But as Logan is approaching, Professor X, after saying some things, seems to notice that something's up. And Logan, we think, puts his fist on Xavier's chest and pops his claws. And this is a very shocking moment in the film. And audience, I I hope you've seen maybe I'll put a spoiler alert before the film. But the moment he does that, and this is also another heart wrenching thing, Laura explodes. And another really violent moment where Laura is roaring and attacking this doppelganger. It's not Logan. We see the light now is on him. We see his head is shaved. This isn't who we thought it was. It's somebody different. It's something different. There's a lot of Logan in it. We get that, right? and it's probably just killed Professor X and what I find really I, just, I find this I, let me, sorry let me, let me back up in a lesser film I think it was called Kick-Ass there's a moment where the bad guy is fighting the a girl Laura's age right and it's an incredibly violent fight but it's almost played for laughs it, there's no it's not serious and it's this violence heaped on a kid that you know is it right to show it so uh, you know casually for laughs or whatever is this supposed To be funny. It doesn't play as funny because it's so violent. One of the things I really appreciate this. Film for is that even though it's using this little kid and it does some violent things to her and she does some violent things in return, the film takes all of this action very seriously. There are real stakes, and none of this is played for laughs or it's not a gag. It's not. It's it's all. I don't know. I, I just appreciate the the visceral realness of this moment and of all the moments with Laura. But prior to this, all this happening, Laura had become friends with the boy in the house, and he comes running in to try and figure out what's going on. And he finds Laura kicked across the room. And what we find out in this moment is that the the Logan clone looks at the boy and that cuts to the truck. And we see that, this is some another another clone that this bad company that wants laura back has made and we see the 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 eyes of the clone we see from the clone's point of view rush up to the boy and we know that he's killed right away we hear the snick we hear the claws go in we know the kid's dead the mom runs up the steps with the shotgun she shoots at logan and that's when the logan clone x24 is what we're calling it that's when logan and munson know that something's up and we don't see what happens to the mom we know nothing good has happened to the mom and logan rushes in he's like I think he tells Munson to stay out or Munson goes and runs and gets his own shotgun. But here's another moment where, Logan makes some bad decisions and we see that he's still in shock by all this because X-24 that's the Logan clone comes down the stairs with screaming, raging Laura in basically some kind of like harness, right? He's caught her yeah. and they stare at each other. X-24 doesn't try and attack Logan, doesn't care about him. He's got his business. He's got what he, has got the, the object of his, uh, it's very taskmaster esque for those of us, for those yeah. of you who listen to uh, our black widow podcast, very robotic. And all Logan can think about in this moment is Professor X, Xavier. He runs upstairs, he sees Carnage. Now, I don't get this as him not caring about this family. I get a lot of this as, I can't do anything for this woman. I can't do anything for this kid. They're both dead. I gotta get to Charles. Just hoping Charles is okay.
0: Well, that's been his goal for so long. Yeah.
1: And he sees, like, a big pool of blood on Charles's chest. He knows Charles is dying. I mean, I don't think Logan has any illusions right now about what's up with Charles, right? He's going to die tonight. And he carries Charles back down the steps. They're going out to the truck and... uh, in another moment of just really poignant filmmaking and, and acting, like Logan is just like, I, "It wasn't me, Charles. It wasn't me. I didn't do this to you," you know, because he's worried. That's what he's worried. He's worried that Charles thinks that he did this to him. And I just think that's a really great and very honest moment. And then, and then Patrick Stewart gets some great acting too. And he, it's almost like he thinks they're on the boat when he sets him on the on the bed of the truck, right? Yeah. What does he say? I couldn't make it out. Is this the sunspot, Logan? I think he said something like, "Is this the sunspot?" And, of course, we know that's not what Professor X said. He said, Sunseeker. Sorry again, audience and logan doesn't say anything because then i don't think he has time charles dies logan tries to attack x24 i think and the audience the only reason why x24 hasn't taken laura back to the truck full of the bad guys is because he gets accosted by those assholes in sort of a glorious moment of yeah these guys have it coming though you could ask the question does anybody have this coming oh i guess they had it coming The farmer who Logan punched comes up to X-24 and says, hey, look, no hard feelings about earlier. Everybody's got to make a living. We'll pay you three or four times what the other guy's paying you, what Munson's paying you. X-24 considers this offer and then comes back with a counteroffer of decapitation and... (laughs) And he decapitates the guy. And and these poor schmucks, these poor assholes don't really know what they're in for. And they're fighting with X-24 while Xavier's dying. And Logan tries to attack X-24 towards the end of this assault on these, these right. schmucks, right? And this is where we learn that Logan is not... His old self. And if we, we sort of knew it before, but we definitely know it now because he is not doing well in this fight. Yeah. He's losing. Didn't X-23, uh, X-24 kill a stab? He stabbed Munson, the old the farmer too, didn't he?
0: Yes. Anyway, yeah. so
1: Logan's losing the fight. It's not going well. Laura's chained up. She can't get free. And just, as, just when everything looks like it's going to be terrible, a truck smashes into X-24, impaling him on some... Farm equipment separating he and Logan and the farmer gets out, Logan stands up, the farmer is done with Zinnia at this point. It looks like he's gonna shoot Logan, right? And I wonder what you thought of this scene because Logan doesn't Logan offers no it wasn't me, doesn't say anything. It looks like gonna let the farmer do what he thinks the farmer needs to do yeah um like yeah go ahead and shoot me it's fine you know like you've earned you're right I brought this on you that's what I get that's what I sort of think Logan is saying here I brought this on you shoot me it's fine yeah,
0: and and the reason I because one of the reasons why this is such a hard sequence to watch is because the film spends so much time helping us care about this family just as Logan and Charles do yeah, yeah. we do not like seeing them dispense with very rather quickly
1: when I I saw this in the theater I was horrified I didn't see it coming I I was shocked that everyone in this family is dead at the end of the scene the guy I think the gun has no more rounds in it and falls over and dies and you get the sense that Logan is feels bad that the guy didn't at least get to shoot him you know and here's something I think I noticed on only on this on this viewing this I didn't notice on the first on this viewing and this I noticed before the bad guys are about to go collect Logan and x24 and 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 x23 that's Lara, win. Caliban earns his, his 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 I guess redemption because he sneaks some grenades out and sort of pays back uh, a line to Pierce, the bad guy, the, the enforcer bad guy. The, that guy tortured him with the sun earlier and said, beware of the light. And Caliban pulls the pins on these grenades in this truck and says, beware of the light, blows most of these, these, these operators up, though, though Pierce does escape badly hurt in the process. But I was sad that Caliban went out like that, but I also I also sort of recognize that's something that he probably felt he needed to do to pay Charles and, and Logan back. But what I noticed on this time was Logan doesn't free Laura when he picks her up. He picks her up the exact same way that X-24 picked her up and carries her back to the truck. And I didn't think much of it at the at the time, but I as I was watching it on this viewing, uh, which is probably my fifth or sixth time watching the movie, I think Logan didn't uncouple her and free her because he knew how she was going to react when she looked in the back of the truck bed. That makes sense. When she she saw that she freaked out like if she'd seen that bef- and been free they wouldn't have been able to leave because right. she would have attacked those people and all Logan wants to do at that point is get away that seems to be his motivating factor let's get away let's 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 try and get away let's try and get out of this fight and when she sees that she loses her mind basically right and wants yeah. to go kill all those people and so it's not until they've driven quite a ways away that he um, uh, that he cuts her free but i i thought that was probably a deliberate moment and and, and, and what i liked about that scene was that it, it underscored her connection to Professor X. Yeah. So in the next scene, uh, Logan has to seek out medical attention, which is the, he's never had to do before. And you noticed this, I don't think I noticed this the first time I saw it. What I noticed and what drew my attention was how terrible he looked without a shirt on in this moment because he is ripped to pieces and he's healing very slowly. Right. Yes. But what you noticed was the doctor's reaction to him when we first saw it. Yeah. And how much the doctor wanted to help him. Why don't you, I don't know if you can, if you can re- harken back to that, that viewing and how you noticed both the doctor's reaction and then Logan's reaction at the end of what the doctor says was what, what you really highlighted yeah.
0: to me. Yeah. Just very touching because, because the doc, he knows who Logan is. Yeah, yeah. Like he knows he diagnoses very quickly that there's something wrong with him. He's a mutant things are not working properly and he wants to help him and logan has this this really which is actually very much in keeping with logan's character throughout the movie in which he says you know doc you seem like a nice guy yeah yeah, you know, like he's very appreciative that he that the doctor wants to help him, but but he very much understands, which is just, what he just went through. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That people that help Logan don't live very
1: long. Yeah, absolutely. But but something else that I noticed too, and I I, I I sort of think that this 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 segment sort of also harkens back to Xavier's general hopefulness. This guy knows who Logan is. He knows he was I think he knows that he was the Wolverine. I think he knows he was an X man. This guy is. is like and and,
0: and he, he it's almost it's almost like this kind of underground railroad or somebody in Nazi Germany you know willing to help out somebody who's yeah. you know a jew or or, or 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 somebody who's not accepted by the society yes. and he wants to help him desperately and and Logan and Logan appreciates that he, he right. recognizes him as a friend but he's not going to put anybody else at risk at this point
1: no no and 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 this sort of underscores the whole point of the sunspot you know i don't want to put anybody else in danger i don't want to put anybody else i care about in danger but i like that there is that moment that the stuff that the x-men did mattered this doctor is an example of that yeah you know and and maybe even logan recognizes it in that moment but he does he, whatever whatever he recognizes he recognizes a decent human being and so he, he does what he thinks is the right thing uh, probably was and I think then it's either after that or before that I think it's it's after that where Laura and 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 Logan bury Professor X and, and that's a pretty tough scene because Logan can't even get through the nice things he wants to say yeah. and for a moment he tolerates Laura trying to comfort him she holds his hand for a bit he takes that for about as long as his anger can deal and then he kind of storms off and then has, mm. a, temp- he has, a, he has a he has a bit of he has a fit of temper smashes on the truck that they're driving the new truck that they're driving and then uh passes out right he falls out he falls down on the street
0: yeah i mean actually i i i think we just kind of inverted it because actually then he ends up with the dog
1: that's right that's right sorry sorry um and then they but then they then they then logan continues taking her to dakota for a while and then he passes out again and this scene actually reminded me a lot of honky-tonk man <laughs> You know, with the, with the, where Clint Eastwood's character is, I think he's, is he dying or he's having trouble and the kid has to take the wheel? Yeah, yeah. Laura, Laura's speaking to Logan now with her voice. and they switch seats and by this point Logan can't really say no to it right and she she drives them the rest of the way to not to Eden yet but to the place the staging point to Eden and uh, there's a another touching scene where Logan is just kind of using Laura's uh, lap as as a pillow you know and she's they have a moment a very definite father-daughter moment when he wakes up she's gone and he starts to kind of follow her and lo and behold there are a bunch of kids waiting for word on their Asylum status, right? But he doesn't find that out right away because he passes out again. The kids basically have to haul him up the cliff because he's Logan's on his last legs here. Yeah. It's only just lucky. It's only just lucky for him that they have some medicine that can sort of help boost his, his right. heat factor. Now, up to this point, guys, audience, we haven't touched on this. Logan's watched the video that Gabrielle left him, that she left for him to find. And in it, he saw what this medicine can do, which it really heightens the power of the kids and makes them, can make them quite unstable, but also just super powerful but he also saw all the awful things that they that these that this group transgen I think is what it's called were doing to the kids to build these mutant um, amalgams uh, of different mutant powers so so he's sort of he's, he's sort of hip to what they're what they're running from and there's so there's a bunch of kids from this program and they're all going to meet here and as he's sort of coming to and recovering a little bit he finds out that yeah they're going there is a place there is a place they can go to in Canada they just got to get across the border they've been granted asylum And Logan again is pretty smart. He's like, you guys got to go now. <laughs> right, Because um, You guys can't wait. And they're like, well, there might be some more people coming. They want to wait because there's some people that haven't shown up. And Logan is all pragmatism. No, those people aren't coming. And if they are, they're too late. You guys need to leave. We are all in trouble. You guys are in trouble. Logan doesn't really care about himself, really, at this moment. You <laughs> just have to go. And they say, no, we're going to stay. And Logan sees these kids and kind of sees his uh, Laura's friends. And and it's this is him kind of coming to grips with all this. He and Laura have one of my favorite moment, one of my favorite conversations in the film, and a film full of conversations that I love, Laura comes upon Logan and one of the things that's happened through all these films is Logan always is being awoken by these nightmares that he has, right? And what I like about this coming scene is that it's very ambiguous about what Logan might mean sometimes and what he says. He wakes up and she's like, what's going on? Are you okay? And he's like, oh, I have nightmares. And she's like, I do too. She says, I think she says people hurt me and that's why I have nightmares. And he says, well, mine are a little different. I hurt people and that's what my nightmares are about and she says i hurt people too and logan says uh, uh, uh logan says oh, and you're gonna have to learn how to live with that and she's like well they were bad people and he says all the same and he doesn't say anything else after that and i i like that because it, it's it's what does logan mean when he's saying that is it all the same you gotta li- learn to live with it or they're all the same you're killing people it's all the same and that ambiguity is kind of nice that's not something logan would have said when he was just a little older than her that's, that's a lifetime of his, that's, that's his lifetime speaking, um, whatever he means. And it's kind of nice. And that's when she pulls out the bullet, which we saw earlier in the movie. And he's not as, he's not as self-conscious about it now. He's this Admandian bullet. And he's like, uh, she's what's this for? And he's like, well, and he's about to lie to her. And then he's just like, well, I, I was thinking about killing myself with it. <laughs> and, and I thought, what a, what a strange, honest conversation these two are having.
0: But he's at the end of the road.
1: Yeah. And he says, you know, it's the only thing that can, it can kill us. And he's like, hell, it's probably killing me anyway. Right now, Admantium is probably what's killing me anyway. And she doesn't want him to do that.
0: By the way, do you ever thought about what exactly is killing him?
1: I think that the movie implies that it's Admantium adamantium is poisoning him it's caught up with him now in in the in the comic book one of the things that you learn in the 90s just i want to say nine late 92 93 before comic books imploded and became shit for a decade logan had all of his adamantium ripped out of his body by magneto and what we found in that is that the adamantium was always was occupying his mutation. It, so he was always constantly having to heal from the admantium poisoning. And so when that was removed from his body, he continued to mutate. He got bigger, not, not taller, but he got more muscular. He got he got a little more saber tooth like he was more feral he was harder to con- he found it harder to control his animal tendencies right so for for me what it seems to me is happening in this film is that logan is you know the 50 or 60 or 70 or almost 100 years of adamantium poisoning is caught up with him the doctor price says as much at the end that's what i think is going on i mean that's logan's suspicion but she wants him to try and come to canada with him you know come with us and he's like and he doesn't want to do it because again a lifetime of being logan and he says this to her look people i care about die and i don't she says well then i'm safe you know she's that's a little mean that was a little mean laura and she storms off. When he wakes up the next day, they're gone and they left him the medicine. They said, "Hey, just take a little bit at a time because this can be bad for you." And that's what, that's the that because the final beat of the movie where they have been tracked even here, Logan was right yet again. We shouldn't have stayed at the farmhouse. Doctor shouldn't help me. You guys should go to Canada now. Yeah. And the action in this moment of the soldiers ca- capturing the kids is unsettling because of how rough and mean they are to the kids. Like they slam these kids, they tackle these kids. really really. hard. It's all very brutal. Logan is trying to get to them and he's not doing very well. And he, he has the medicine. He has the green medicine. And now audience, I I will confess when I saw this and I saw the note that said, just take a little of the time. I knew Jason knew anybody who's a student of movies knew he's going to take all that medicine.
0: That's right.
1: And he fills up the syringe and the, and just as he's about to plunge the syringe into his neck, we don't see the syringe go in. We just hear the roar through the Canadian wilderness or the woods on the edge of the Canadian wilderness. And I don't know about you, Jason, but I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get the we get the final hurrah now and logan goes tearing through the through the the operators more more really well done very harrowing violence he and laura are really the the only two who have a chance here they for some reason this is their this is their milieu and he and laura are doing everything right they've teamed up this is that moment where they where logan accepts yeah laura as as his own it's the moment
0: he accepts her as his own yeah we knew all along
1: yeah oh yeah Yeah. they have a they have a harrowing moment with x24 rough fight with him and there's a moment where Logan says to them to go. He's going to hold off X-24 while they get across the border. Now they, now Laura could have done that. They could have probably gotten away and right? She elects elects not to. Um, Logan loses the fight. The medicine's worn off. He gets impaled and X-24 is only too happy to do this because Logan has killed his father, the the doctor, uh, Price, Dr. Price. He's really delighting in all the pain he's putting Logan through and this i didn't quite see coming necessarily but laura has used the adamantian bullet on i guess her sibling yeah. right when you get down to it right 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 and, uh, right. blows it's pretty yeah. brutal. it blows off like a big chunk of his head and it's over for x-24 and then she goes to logan and and they share a moment before logan dies what did you think of this bit i i i was really moved by it i i think that this is very touching and i think that it kind of
0: illustrates what i was talking about earlier in terms of hope and 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 it's also kind of a passing of the torch because the hope that Charles was talking about, the hope that Charles believed in, it wasn't necessarily for Charles. It wasn't even necessarily for Logan it's for future generations. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what this is all about is you know, the because these are all young kids. Now, this final scene, this movie echoes Shane, it echoes Unforgiven. The ending echoes what
1: movie? Huh. I don't know. Audience, I don't know where my co-host is going with this. So he's led me down a road. Code for me to slam dunk something and I've fucking bricked it. <laughs> Well, then I then I will get the rebound and
0: I will I will jam home the, the the slam dunk. I am certain that the ending of this movie is a tribute to the Cowboys from nineteen seventy two, one of John Wayne's last movies. Okay, in which he leads a group of young boys on a cattle drive and they run into some some bushwhackers who um, who killed John Wayne. It's one yeah. it's one it's one of the few movies that he dies, and it was actually kind of controversial at the time the the final action scene of the movie are the kids who on this cattle drive have learned how to do all this shit they ambush the bushwhackers and kill them
1: okay okay that's not completely what happens here but the kids do kill somebody really brutally in this movie they do
0: but but there's also there's a scene in the movie where the kids are all surrounded around john wayne's grave and they see him as their father uh because because he trained them on this cattle drive there's a lot of kind of cute kind of almost like boot camp kind of moments where yeah. they're on the ground and john wayne's like we're burning daylight and you know and they and they oh they you know they don't want you know they don't want to get up and this kind yeah. of thing. I, I i actually like that movie some people think that it's kind of weird to see little kids kill people.
1: They're gonna have a lot of trouble with this film if they <laughs> Right, right. But I I would bet
0: money because when I when I watched this final scene, I thought about the Cowboys, which I've only seen once or twice. Yeah. It's, uh but I've never forgotten the ending, you know, kind of the you know, the final sequence. I, I think that the ending channels the cowboys quite a bit.
1: You're I mean you're probably right. Uh, Mangold certainly seems to you know, like, like what Westerns. Shane seems to be his western of choice. Now I want to I mean, highlight something else here in the end of the film logan is holding laura's hand and he says to charles no not to charles charles said to him earlier at the farmhouse this is family you need to embrace this logan and as logan is dying he's like ah That's what Charles meant. And so, audience, in The Wolverine, there was a prophecy by Logan's buddy named Yuki. She said to him, I see you are going to die holding your heart in your hands. In The Wolverine, he does die holding his heart in his hands. But uh, he has to extract this crazy, weird parasite that's damaging his healing factor in the movie, and he ends up pulling it off of his his, uh, heart. So that's part of the prophecy. There is an audience theory that Mangold has with the writing and the story of this movie, managed to twin that prophecy. You know, because of course he's holding Laura's hand and, he's, and that's 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 the next generation, that's his heart. Anyway, I leave it to you audiences to see if Yuki told a twin prophecy, uh, a sort of prophetic fast one on Logan there at the end. As we're kind of closing this this review out, this is a strange film, I think, in terms of this franchise and especially in terms of the Wolverine franchise, which started out, if we're being honest, not great. The first film is not a good, great comic book film. It's pretty mediocre. It's it has pretty it has its moments. It has its moments. The Wolverine is a is is a good comic book movie. Is it great? Uh, It's it's solid throughout. This film it, it's strange that they just kept getting better. One of the things that I, I, I noticed about this film is that it sort of continues some themes in the first film about life and death. I'm mean, not the first film, but in the in the Wolverine, uh, uh, I sort of grapples with this these these themes of mortality that Logan generally hasn't had to think about. I know in the in in the movie The Wolverine, where he's he's trying to cut into his chest to get this thing out that's that's damaging him, Yuki says to him, uh, "Don't do that. You're going to." die and he says that's okay because he's got to do what he's got to do and if and if that effort causes his death then then that's just the price right that's a, you don't live forever or whatever you know he's he's sort of okay with it and and by this point in his life he's he's not even that he won't even be that sad to die right because he's logan has been around since the early 1800s you know this film grapples with all those issues a lot more seriously I think but anyway I just I just want to bring up the, that little trivia and some of those observations about how strange this series is in that way. Uh, Any any closing thoughts here?
0: Well, I mean, it's kind of a sub-series and uh, I I, I liked your comparisons, although James Mangold directed only this one and the previous one. Yeah. He had nothing to do with X-Men Origins Wolverine.
1: Um, No, no. That was a tip uh, or something that they hired. Hey, can you bang out a Wolverine script for us?
0: Well, uh, So so what happened at that time was they didn't think they were going to make any of their X-Men movies and so they thought they were going to make a series of origin films. And then they made that film and then they were going to make a Magneto origin movie and that yeah. kind of part and became first class and then they kind of abandoned all of that so I think X-Men Origins Wolverine should be understood as kind of like an attempt for the series to go in a certain direction that was then kind of uh, aborted and yeah. um, and so that film should be watched in that way it's kind of terrible.
1: It's a step back from X-Men 1 and X-Men 2 in, in, in that it just it almost seems like a cash grab in some ways it's, it's not, I don't, I don't to be mean to anybody who made it. I actually I'm saddened that that it didn't do well enough for them to bring back Liv Schreiber though. I know in an early iteration of the script, and I don't know yeah. if they they shot scenes for this but, but Liz Schreiber was going to return as Sabretooth in this he wanted to yeah he wanted
0: to. And, and he was and he was a great Sabretooth and 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 that's the thing is that you know I think that film on the whole failed Mm-mm. but um, there are so many elements of that movie that I like absolutely that I will watch it again yep and, and we should review it sometime and, and talk about what works and what doesn't because there are definitely things about it that I really really like but James Mangold didn't direct that James Mangold came in for the Wolverine and, 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 you know, he, he made that artistic statement and then he made this intending for it to be his definitive artistic statement. Well, I, you
1: know, I, it, 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 succeeds. And I don't want to, I don't know if I've telegraphed my verdict of this film, but.
0: I think you did about two hours ago. So. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the verdict. Logan
0: is really one of the really unique comic films of all time. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think that I would probably separate Christopher Nolan's dark night trilogy because uh, because I think Christopher Nolan did a great job of uh, inserting a great deal of uh, artistic integrity into the comic book film and, and although I would like to say that most comic book films have a great deal of artistic integrity not all of them necessarily have this kind of um, this gravity um, of serious drama uh, you know very very serious themes and incredibly um, powerful violence this movie has all of that I I actually, I seem to recall that Max when he first saw this movie saying that he, that, that he suspected it might be his favorite comic film and I, and I don't know what his opinion is now he's going to tell you in a second but anybody that would say that this is their favorite comic film I would say that I understand that I wouldn't say that I agree but that might be just taste or preference this movie does everything right it gives us and one of the things that we did not mention was the, um, the, the really impressive film score uh, you know the the music of this film by uh, Marco Beltrami, who does a great job of updating Ennio Morricone's music to kind. Of, uh, it's very much a Western score, but it's it's not dated at all. Uh, it's the kind of score that Ennio Morricone would do today if he if he actually tried to update his sound. It, 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 it works very well with the film. The cast is uniformly perfect. I actually think that Patrick Stewart, at bare minimum, and maybe even Hugh Jackman, were worthy. Of of awards uh, for their performances. This movie is well written, it's well scored, it's well edited. The action scenes are great, the suspense is great. I think that uh, thematically the film has a great deal of depth. This movie is a masterpiece and I would recommend it to anybody. If you're a fam if you're a fan of comic book films, action films or film in general, see Logan 2017.
1: It's hard to add to Jason's verdict here, but I'll say a few things. One of the ways I judge how Great a movie is in my own mind is by a few questions that I ask or things that I might wish. When I walked out of Logan, I was sad Roger Ebert wasn't around to see it because I thought it was so good that it was something that he would have had something incredibly insightful and interesting to say. And I, I, I was sad that he wasn't around to see it. What's the other thing I was going to say, folks? There's been a lot of whiskey tonight, so uh, bear with me a little bit as I find my way through my verdict here. Is this my favorite comic book movie? I don't know. No, because it so transcends that genre here which makes it something to recommend to anybody I guess that what I would leave the audience with is this is elegant cinema whatever your preference for films is and that you should see it for that reason if for no other reason it's a great movie can't really add anything to what Jason said he nailed all the technical aspects so I guess what I'll say in closing is take your young children to see this movie no don't do that audience but see this movie you know Take a box of Kleenexes with you because it's a it's a tearjerker sometimes. That's that's the verdict from Max and Jason. Jason, what the fuck are we watching next week?
0: We are gonna have a great time because we are going to watch so so audience. One of my favorite genres of, of films is the is the underdog genre in the sports movie genre. It's, I guess it's kind of a sub-genre, and we're going to, to kick off our long love affair with these with this genre by watching the Bad News Bears from 1975.
1: Starring Walter Matthau, right? Absolutely. And Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill. Huh. All right, audience. So you have that to look forward to next week. Share us on social media. Share us with your friends, your coworkers, your priest, your confessor, when you're in confession. Uh, Whatever it is you're, whatever you're confessing for, add, hey, listen to Max and Jason watch a movie. Share us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Email us at lordmovies39.gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you next week with the Bad News Bears. Uh Baba. The kind of snapshot of human misery that you see at a casino hotel is is something that I never wish to experience again. I'm the best, I'm I'm the best, I'm the best there result is at what I do. I do. And what I do is very, so nice. very nice. And then I said to him, I said, I said, Bub, I'm the best there is at what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. <laughs> Trying to run a podcast and my co-host is run off here. What's going on?